This is Pop Fiction Women. I'm Corinne. I'm Kate. And we're complicated. Blunt. Total boss. But sometimes a mess. Opinionated. But never boring. And in this podcast, we're discussing the complicated women of the best books, TV, and movies. Along with the complicated women behind the scenes. Warning, lots of spoilers ahead. So come back when you're done. Hurry up, it's starting. Carrie Soto is back. The bitch is back. back. Singing, the bitch is back. Thank you. Thanks, right? The bitch is back. I love it. Carrie Soto, this one was a banger for us. Yes, it was a banger that Corinne manifested. You're going to tell us how (laughs) you manifested this book into existence. How, I don't really know, except that when we read Malibu Rising, we did a whole episode. We had so much to talk about. We went on and on for hours, literally. And yet, I felt like for a whole segment, I needed to talk about Carrie Soto and how she, her character jumped off the page. She subverted every expectation of a mistress, quote unquote, that I had. And she was so strong and defiant and also not what I expected. And she had maybe 500 words total in the whole book. And probably, which was probably over 100,000 words. So little bit of space, she occupied a lot of my mind. And I said in that episode, we need an entire book about Carrie Soto. And you said, Taylor Jenkins Reid, if you're listening. I know. And here (laughs) Now I am holding it in my hands. Yeah. I mean, that's... I know we've told this story before, not on the podcast, so we had to share it. But yeah. every time I think about it, I'm like, it's a little it's crazy. pretty ridiculous. It's a little crazy. Because like you said, she doesn't, it's not like she's one of those people that takes one of her side characters and makes them into her next novel all the time. She does every sprinkle time, her right? characters throughout. But mm-hmm. really, really, when yeah. she did the cover reveal and we found out that that's what her <laughs> next whole- book was... I, I, we freaked out and we and we took we, the clip of you saying it yes. and we posted it yeah. and Taylor responded in her DMs that we made her day. I loved that. But really I, she made our, li- of our life. I of course. Of course. And I loved it because it was she would have been, you know, a, a tennis character uh, the, that brings you in and I just felt mm-hmm. like I I want to see more of this. I don't know. It just felt like somehow a perfect blend of something that you and I would want without really knowing anything about what that meant. And I know. my God, did she deliver more than what I even wanted for That's that? Exactly right. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We had because no idea. I know because you are an avid tennis player, but not just that. You just love tennis i love tennis so much and she has just nailed it Mm, nailed that that aspect which i don't know why i'm surprised like she wasn't a rock star and she nailed that and daisy Daisy jones Jones. you know this is what she does so well but still like i think i said to you offline it's a lot of tennis it is there wasn't a a lot lot in daisy jones it was a lot of atmosphere of maybe a rock star but there wasn't and she wrote song lyrics which you had given her huge credit for on that episode but I don't know this felt more technical and she could have either left it out or gotten it wrong and she did neither she just she got it so right and I know she does so much research and I get that but still 
there's something about if she's not a tennis player she's yeah. just not she said that she's just so there's to me you would think there would be some element missing if all you did was research and you right. hadn't lived it but she it's not she it's is not so no she is really immersive with her research it's not about let me learn names and terms she really is and she said she like watch documentaries and mm-hmm. reads books and and she just fully immerses herself in the world so that it doesn't come off as this is what I learned you know because right. you've we've all read those books where somebody clearly does research and they just tell you what they've learned and call it a day this was an immersive experience in the tennis world which for me who does not play tennis and knows very little about tennis it was a great experience and for you who does because we've also had that where oh yeah if you know nothing about it it happens all the time with lawyers right some lawyers you know that they were immersed in that world and they get it right and others clearly just did research as to what it means to be a lawyer and you're like oh well it's not wrong but it's not really you know right yeah so she nailed it yeah yeah okay well well what do we think about Carrie Soto oh Carrie Carrie Soto. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I, this is one of those, you know, we talk about the unlikable female protagonist Mm -hmm. often. And often in the things that we cover, I can relate to them. And so I feel like what's even unlikable or I get it, but I'm like, I actually happen to like her because I get it and I'm her. This was an interesting one for me because I don't relate to Carrie Soto, but she's like my BFF. She's the one who, if I'm a Gwen or I'm a Nikki Chan, I'm like, I want that girl over there. Yeah. Carrie yeah, yeah, Soto, yeah. let's 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 see what we can do together here. That's so, so funny. I also so you're like drawn to her sometimes. Yes, yeah. but I, and so I also had a difficult time understanding that she was unlikable. I know she is. I can see that many readers might have an issue. But for me, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to hang out with her. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Like the book blurb says, you know, she's not friendly, she's not likable, and she's not going away. Mm, and and ta- yeah, and so she, but what Taylor said was that it was really important for her to tell the story of a woman that nobody really likes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said, you know, a lot of books like, we talk about this you know there's like they're unlikable but you know in in this case it could have been just because she was ambitious and a lot of people don't like to see ambitious women or whatever but she said that she wanted to push it one step past that and like what if she's really sincerely not likable like she says (laughs) and does shit that is just obnoxious and rude and not likable like like when Gwen says to her at one point like when she can't get someone to hit with her she's like like what's their problem like what just because I beat them all and Gwen was like you you said that one wasn't good enough you said this about that one like you like publicly humiliated this this person like they don't like you (laughs) like you know you didn't just it's it's not not just because you're yeah it's not just because you're good at your job or you're the best you actually took it one step further and Mm -hmm. so she purposely kind of wanted to really lean into that and I think I think she did and I'm with you though I'm sort of like there was like a freedom to that she was like the I don't give a fuck went real far what I had 
trouble with a little bit was actually kind of getting to know her. Yes. Yeah. And well, I think so that that's was on the thing. Purpose. That's exactly what I was going to say when you said you were drawn to her. Yes, I was drawn to her. And that is why, because I am drawn to people who look tough because I'm always like I know there's something else there and are you willing to show it to me or not and I'll wait till you are because that's all I'm really interested in oh I like that yeah yeah Yeah. and I I felt like it was maybe intentional in the sense that it's hard for Carrie the character to let anyone get to know her or to get close to her or or to let anyone inside she just seemed very singular she seemed very Mm -hmm. focused on her career and that was it. We get the cracks with her dad and then a little bit with Bo later. We are, are, are outwardly proud and uh, to say we're drawn to the bitch is back kind of person. But maybe maybe everyone sort of is. Like in a way, even if they're not like that, maybe they're just intrigued by someone that could be like that. This alter ego kind of a thing. Like even if they don't go yes. around in the world like yes. that. Right. Um, that it seems, like I said, they like kind of to. refreshing to them. Like, mm-hmm. wow, what what must that be like to actually not give a fuck and be so singularly focused on, you know, what you're going after? I don't know. So, yeah, yeah but well, we're both, you know, we'll we're both see. Sort of, right. Yeah, so I, the point is we are in a position to really get it, but I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm interested to see what other people think about it. But I will say her arc goes a long way to changing that. Even if you have a hard time with her in the beginning, by the end, I can't imagine you don't come around on her. Yes, yes. So do we want to talk about scenes or you have more on Carrie? No, let's go to scenes because okay. we got a few of those. Yeah. And I've started right away with the match against Mary Louise when she's 11 and Mary Louise is this prodigy 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sets the stage for everything to come. How hard she's going to be on herself, Carrie. How good she is. Her relationship with her dad and their coaching style. I just loved this scene. And she doesn't win, but Mary Louise says, I, I couldn't have beat you when I was 11. And mm-hmm. Carrie's like, mm. She doesn't really buy it. She's like, well, I lost and that's all that matters. So again, we see that singular focused on on winning instead of just being, and even though her dad, and we'll talk about this more later, she's constantly getting her dad's lessons wrong. It's not about just Mm -hmm. winning. Uh, And he tries to set that stage right from the start and she doesn't get it. But But that is, those are lessons by the end about losing and, and, and sort of, rectifying these little miscommunications in the messaging from her dad that that we'll see towards the end. Yeah, and there's a really sweet exchange which doesn't prove out until the end, but on page 35 and and 34, he says, every match you play, you're one match closer to becoming the greatest tennis player the world has ever seen. You were not born that person. You were born to become that person, and that is why you must best yourself every time you get on the court. Not so that you beat the other person, but that so, but so that I become more myself, Carrie finishes. Mm-hmm. Now, she loses that thread very quickly, but I loved this foundation. Mm-hmm. I loved that yes. it was here. It was, felt very important to believe the change. And that is something else Taylor Jenkins Reid is really good at. And I'll talk about that more too. She sets out exactly what we're going to come to expect early on and you don't really think about it early on but then you're like oh yeah she did she said this in the beginning 
She did. And I had forgotten about this scene until you said it. And I was like, oh, yes, it is all right here from the beginning. It is. It is. The lesson. And isn't that the case so many times? You've learned everything you needed to know by the age of five or, you know, whatever. And that you have to, you learn, unlearn those lessons or forget them along the way. And that it's always about coming back to that, that that's important in life. Yes. Yes. Love that. And then the next one I have, oof, is it is a real tough one. Is it Bo? Are we going with Bo? Bo, yeah. Bo, okay. Right? And Carrie, their fight. Oh, well, and one of friendship. one of a few. Yes, fair, but, fair. But so, this one, I loved this one. I did too. So he's her partner, so that they can practice together for both of their comebacks, which I also mm-hmm. love. So there's some yes. desperation because, as you said before, no one will play with her. <laughs> Yes, so they get they get another guy who's old and trying to fight his way back, and yeah. who, of course, you know, they slept together once, so you've got this fun shared little history too, mm-hmm. which just adds to the to the spice. It does, it does, and also adds to an intimacy, like a shortcut to intimacy. Yes. I think that mm-hmm. they can have here. Uh, it's it's both of them being in a vulnerable position of trying to come back, and then it's also them having had that physical intimacy before yeah and so their what, shared yeah. love sorry of tennis, oh, of tennis. i mean like uh, yeah. you know obviously that's they they get each other in that yeah. regard who else but someone who's been in this position can really understand yeah and that's got good and bad parts I, well is, that's what i was gonna say so you know I, I think they get it they get what it's like to be operating at th- this highest level but they don't get each other because they they each think the way the other person operates is the wrong way. She says to him, anything that goes wrong, at uh, page 196, he, mm-hmm. she's like, anything that goes wrong, one tiny little thing doesn't go your way and you explode. And she doesn't like mm-hmm. that. She doesn't like mm-hmm. the overflowing emotion. She's yes. keep it inside type. And he's he, the temper tantrum one who lets his emotions out. That's it, what he's notorious for on the tour. Yeah. And then he says, yeah, well, you quit. And she does not take that well at all. And it, <laughs> call me a quitter again, asshole. I, I dare, dare you. you. She says. Yeah. It gets deeper. And yeah. she tries to say, you and I are the same bow, old and out to prove something. At least I'm handling it with some dignity. Again, she knows what it's like to be here, but she hates the way he handles it. Mm-hmm. And he throws it right back at her. You hurt your knee. You're saying we're the same, but we're not. I stuck around. I had the guts to try. I have the guts to lose. You, you just run. Well, guess what, Carrie? People who are actually playing the game lose. We all lose. We lose all the time. That is life. So we are not the same, Soto. I have courage. You're just good at tennis. Damn. That is Hard truth such for a great line. Unbelievable. Yes, but then he adds on even too in the couple paragraphs later. You act like you've dedicated your life to tennis, but you came back to win, not to play. That's why they're all pissed at you for returning. You've got no heart. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. It's true though. He's yeah. right. I yeah. mean... Yeah. You're tr- at that point, she's just so focused on winning. And their father tries to tell this too, like you've lost the joy. You've lost what you the what the reason you started playing. Mm-hmm. And you when you play 
being afraid to lose, that's not the courage that, that he's talking about. Yeah. And weirdly, it kind of reminded me of, by the way, messages from the goddamn universe just coming through over and over. We had a conversation with Mary Adkins recently where I said for people like us, and we're the three of us are similar, not all the same, but but the tendency is to follow the applause. And like he's saying, you're just good at tennis. So we just mm-hmm. do the things that we're good at without much regard for what we might actually want to do and why yes. we might want to actually do it and what it would take to get there if we weren't just immediately good at it. And, and that's why I said we should learn to not follow the applause but to follow the crickets. And what I mean by that is because I think something else came up later and it was like a no. Well, don't we don't have to pursue the no's. It's not a matter of proving something. But the crickets represent silence to me. And the mm-hmm. silence is where you find what your own heart wants, what your yeah. own desire is. Mm-hmm. And so listening outside to the applause and just following that, that that's a recipe for Carrie Soto here, right? Yes. You're just doing exactly what you're good right. at. And you're not... Now, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. You can have courage and, you know, follow what you're good at. But we see Carrie Soto has managed to get to the top and not really done that. Yeah, Hasn't had to ever have any courage. Yeah. And so... heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So she has to find her heart. I... And I love that he... I love their back and forth generally. Just the way they sort of rib each other. Mm -hmm. Their dynamics is great. But I thought this scene really, really epitomized it. There's a lot where they're doing their... I don't know. Just their banter. Mm -hmm. I like. Yes. Uh, But but this one, it was... I think he's like calling her out. And she needed to hear this. I mean, she doesn't... Well, I don't think she hears it. Yeah, I was just going to say, she doesn't hear it yet. No. But mm-hmm. she needed to be told it, yeah. and then she will eventually need to really hear it. Yeah, because she it. the scene ends with he walks away, obviously upset and disheartened by the whole thing, and she screams, who's the quitter now? <laughs> exactly. No, she's not ready for not the full lesson yet. No. Takes her, she's a little slower yeah. with the growth and the understanding, yeah. but... Yeah. But Bo is a big part of that. I yes. mean, he really is throughout the whole thing. So that was, but that was a big, big scene in terms of I loved it. laying the foundation for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh, and as was a fight that she has with her dad. Oh, yes. Oh. Tell me next. This oh, one dad. was tough. Right. She's lost the sight. She just lost to, who was it? Aunt... Antonin. At the French Open. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she, and she's talking to her dad and she's basically like, she's pissed off. She's like, I didn't play my best. So don't even try to say it. Don't try to make me feel better, dad. And he, you know, he's not having it. She's kind of having a tantrum here behind the scenes and he is not having it. He's like, don't swear at me. I told you yesterday I was concerned about this. And she wants him to say something, but he doesn't know what he's supposed to say. And this is where things get really honest in a way that Mm -hmm. I think neither of them have been able to. And Mm -hmm. he says again, what do you want me to say? She says, I want you to be honest. And he shakes his head and says, no, you want my honest opinion to be the exact thing you need to hear. 
Yeah. Now we know she gets it here a little bit because she she's it says I can feel an ache in my teeth from clenching my jaw. I try to loosen it, but it tightens right back up. Mm. Yeah, and that she's got a lot of anger here. Yeah, and she lashes yeah. out still, and she says she bl- basically blames him. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you did this to me. Basically, you told me I was the greatest, and that's what I was going to become. So. Mm-hmm. To her, that then how can I lose? Like yeah. they seem antithetical to her. Like you told me one thing, I did that. And so how can you sit there now and say the things you're saying? Like she, but it's kind of what you said earlier in the scene with uh, oh. when she was young. Oh, no, yeah, in their yeah, first yeah. match. Yes. Like she's, there's been miscommunications. Yes. He, she was getting the wrong message from him. And he did say after the part you read, Carrie, yeah. I do not know how to have an honest conversation with you about your tennis game. Yeah. Because as good as you are, you have never been able to make peace with failure. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, she said, I, I, Taylor Jenkins Reid said in, a, in, a, in an interview that the, obviously the father-daughter relationship was a huge part mm-hmm. of the book for her. And that what, what I wanted to set up was that ultimately this year is a reckoning of those tiny, consistent miscommunications mm-hmm. between them, right? And that part of what she had to do in this comeback is, she said it was also an opportunity for her and her father to say the things they never said to each other. Yeah. And once that happens, can she change? like question mark you know so there's just been tiny miscommunications and I think that's right yeah and he says you know you asked me if I thought you could take number one from Paulina I said I don't know because I didn't I don't know what the future holds and I can't promise the world is going to always turn out the way you want it to I owed you that honesty, I thought, so you could assess better how to grow, how to widen your perspective. It felt like it was time for that. But you didn't want to do that then, and you don't want to do that now. He goes on to say, I've messed up a lot as your father, and I take responsibility for that. But this one, I'm sorry, only you can solve it. You have to make peace with not being a perfect player. Oof. And she still doesn't get the nope. message, though, Mm-mm. right? Nope. That Her next line, that is giving up. I won't do it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, I can't do this for you. You have to fix this, which yeah. is just such like, an important part of parenting. Yeah. And he's just not going to, he doesn't let up on her. You know, you have to find a way to be right with who you actually are to face what life is really like. I expected you to figure that out by now, Yeah, but you haven't, you know? So like if you don't, she says, I can't see how you ever get past this moment. Mm. And he's like, I've done what I've taken you this far. I thought you would have learned the lesson now, but now it's on you. Yeah. And that is tough love yeah. from a parent a friend in any relationship but from her father i know but she's that's, what is she she's yeah. at this point she's 30 i know i know seven i know he's like yeah. listen yeah i thought you would have learned this by now exactly yeah oh boy but she will we'll get to that at the end yeah maybe, yeah know, well but. and i think maybe a place where she can hear it in a different way is i think from nikki chan Yes. Right. The, yes. the next mm-hmm. scene, we're we're hopping over to page two fifty nine when they are in London and having drinks and kind of 
first commiserating over both being unliked and, yeah. you know, spoken about harshly in the press. Mm-hmm. Yes, as being female athletes, which is obviously there's a huge amount of that throughout this book, you know. Yes. How the press treats women who yep. are successful and athletes and the two of them, you know, this is the first time she's really talking to her, you know. She was... She's just this person who, up till this point, who's going to break her record, which is yeah. totally unacceptable to her. Yeah. So to her, she's just like, I don't know. I had a record. You're trying to, you stole it. Yeah. I'm going to steal it back. Like, yes. I don't care who you are. Yeah. And this was like, oh, wait, they sit and they talk and there's actually a lot of commonality. Yeah. Yeah. And she realizes someone else has maybe been going through this too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And this is also where Nikki comes out and says that she is gay and mm-hmm. Carrie's like, whatever, who cares? Like, I don't care. Yeah. But then yeah. she, it occurs to her and this is her first real moment of empathy. She says, it occurs to me now that probably this, de- that, that probably doesn't account for how hard it is for her to deal with the world's hangups about it or how hard, how hard it must be to decide who to confide in. And she confided in me. And fuck if it doesn't make me like her more. God damn her. (laughs) Exactly. So we see a little crack, but it's still a Carrie Soto-shaped crack, right? Yes. Which is to say very hard and not, it's never going to be mushy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Mm -hmm. No, I was just going to say that, but through this, I also just love that it's not like, neither one of them like lets up on the other you know I mean you know even when Nikki is saying things about how much she respected her and everything she's also there's also just a lot of like you know I want I still want to kill you I mean like no I'm dead serious I want my fucking record back I mean and that's what I love too I mean me too she makes it a great scene in that you do they do have this commonality they do realize that like they've both been shared a lot of the same difficulties but for different reasons but at the end they're like I still want to fucking kill you yeah I want to kill you too like that there's no letting up no absolutely Uh, not because they're they're true competitors and I don't mm -hmm. know this I feel like this line on the top of 262 was something that we talk about the different maybe like the difference between a a two and a three Mm -hmm. or Mm a or a, a Leo and an Aries I don't know what it is but I feel like Nikki says, I can't fight unless I have something to fight against. And I like fighting. I like it even more than winning. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's it. But wait, you're saying you feel like that's the Aries or the two or the... Yeah. Because I, I literally wrote next to this line, yes, in all caps with a million yeses. And I wrote, this is me. Oh, and I feel like you're saying... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that's why I was like, wait, because you think I'd like the winning. Yes. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, to me, like, the, I loved this line because that yeah. I I love, but maybe because now I'm thinking about sports, like, and tennis mm. specifically. I mean, of course I love to win, yeah. but I love the fighting and yeah. the competition and just being in it. Yeah. And I love having something to fight against, like yeah. she's saying, like, whether it's a person or a f- like, all I need is, like, them to do one thing on the other side that I feel is some sort of slight against me. And then it's like a war that yeah. I'm just, it's ridiculous. Like I, it's, it's something dumb, but it's yeah. enough to piss me off inside. Yeah. And then, and to ignite the fight, which then makes me want to go.
go harder. So hmm. I don't know. I loved the line. So I guess yeah. it appeals to, to both of us. To both. Right. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just somehow reminded me of, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It, it would just, it felt more dynamic. Like, the dynamic yes. as opposed to the singular the winning. outcome yes yep. mm-hmm. yeah no yeah, that yeah. makes sense yeah yeah but and, uh, and it's how I mean it doesn't it doesn't actually surprise me that we are similar because like I said it's not that I don't care about I feel like sometimes you get the the hat of I care about winning and I'm like well I care about winning oh, too no, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 but it is about the fight and yeah. the like having something to push against, against. To, to make you better yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So I and love this another, that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And this whole, their, their dynamic is another thing that, that Taylor said she was really wanted to sort of interrogate this competition between women and how it's portrayed. And it's often really reductive. It's like the cat fight or whatever. And that she wanted to explore. And I think she does really well, sort of the complexity of it, you know, because yeah. the media just wants, you know, to, to make it really simple. And she said, what I was interested in with Carrie and Nikki is to show all sides of this, which is to say, would Carrie Soto stab Nikki Chan in the back? Absolutely. Do I think Nikki would do it to Carrie? Absolutely. Do I think they enjoy destroying each other? Yes. Do I think they're capable of manipulating each other? Yes. And she said, that's what's fun about it to me. But at the same time, do they respect one another? Do they ultimately feel they are made better by the other? A resounding yes. And mm. I think that that's how I felt with their dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked that it, I felt similar, but very different. I feel like their approaches were very different, but, oh yeah, but similar, obviously. And that part of the growth was for her to see, you know, her, the way she plays too, you know, like they were both so like Nikki was always told, well, Carrie has beautiful strokes Mm -hmm. and you play, you know, like a beast. That was her nickname. But they can each see the, by the end, the, the ways they're different, they're different, but also kind of amazing in their own way. You know what I mean? I do feel like that came through by the end. Yeah. And then she's up her coach. So yes, I like that part. Yeah. But I don't think they switched mentalities, which I appreciate too. Like I want them to be their own. Like it doesn't just mean, I mean, it's the same way we talk about it. There's, more than one way to be unlikable, right? And here yeah. we have uh-huh. two very different ones. And I, I like yes. that. And then we get another one too with Gwen. Gwen. Who I love. Yes. And this was a, an amazing learning moment for Carrie. I think because Gwen actually doesn't try to teach her anything. This is the scene where they're talking about, they're at, at Wimbledon and they're talking about the poem that is the inscription that's above the double doors that lead out to the grass. And it's a a line or two lines from if by Rudyard Kipling. And it says, if you can meet triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. And in her head, Carrie is saying like, that makes no fucking sense. Like what the fuck are you talking about? That's never resonated with me. Every time I walk through here, (laughs) triumph is amazing and disaster is horrible. Why do you think they're the same? And meanwhile, kind of there, so they're both kind of gazing up at it and thinking how wonderful this line is. Meanwhile, Carrie's thinking, I don't get it. And Gwen is getting it and thinks maybe that Carrie has done this in some way. And 
She goes on to talk about her, that she knows the whole thing by heart because she was an English major, a double major in English and African-American studies at Stanford and UCLA. I mean, my God, like, it's amazing, Gwen. Yeah. But she recites the rest of the poem and Carrie is thinking, she must be messing with me. Surely she knows she just described my greatest fear. But no, I can tell from the look on her face that she sincerely thinks I'm that brave, that I'm doing this because I'm okay with losing big, not because I'm terrified of losing it all. And it stuns me silent for a moment, just how vast the gap is between who I am and how people see me. I am so much smaller than the Carrie Soto in Gwen's head. Ooh. Wow. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 People are giving me too much credit, she's thinking, because whatever perception you have of me, that is not how I feel. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, celebrity and in this spotlight, they get put up on this pedestal and they themselves look up and say, I don't, if only I could be Carrie Soto, yeah. right? <laughs> I mean, and yeah. I'm Carrie Soto. Like, like you guys have this view of me and there's so much pressure that comes along with that. And I don't know. I thought this was, you know, another turning point. You're right yeah. for her in terms of, you know, I'm still not sure she gets the message yet, but. Yeah, I think know, she gets it there. I don't think to. she knows yeah. what to do with it, though. She's yeah. like, yeah. I am not that Carrie Soto. I am just yeah. terrified of losing. And yeah. that's all there is to it. And Gwen mm-hmm. thinks. Uh, there's there's also a you know a letter a letter to the editor earlier on i love that one. yeah and mm-hmm. and she's like you know what good god damn it she's probably not gonna win a goddamn thing but i'm glad mm-hmm. carrie soto is back and playing and i don't think carrie soto is back and playing carrie soto no. is coming to get her title period end of story yes. mm-hmm. she's not coming but- to like give it a college try Right. You're absolutely right. And I loved that letter to the editor. Yeah. And the right, that person got the message, which is it doesn't matter what she does. Look, she, simply doing this and is showing us all yes. is a big deal as women, as people who think, you know, all the, it was a wonderful oh, letter yeah. to the editor. Except but I think you're right. Carrie if Carrie Soto, Soto read it, she'd be like, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, you I, don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm here for some metaphorical message. I'm here to fucking win. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the end, the the growth that we finally get to. I do think she does, you know, and and she has to grow in, in a lot of ways. I mean, one is in love and in relationships. And, you know, that was another message her father was trying to communicate to her in a lot of, at a lot of different instances. And, and I think there was miscommunication there too. But all he ever wanted, I think, was for her to find a partner yeah. and, and someone to love like he had with his wife, yeah. her mother, who he had lost. And he's seeing it with Bo, but she's not seeing it. Yeah. And so you get, even though, yeah, the rest of us are like her dad, like he loves you. What, what are you doing? Yeah. So like on 312, he says... You know, he's in love with you, my father finally says. I don't pull away. I don't even flinch. And he says, and he knows you're a better player than he is. I was always worried about that with you because the only person who could ever understand you would be another player. But how many players would be okay knowing they were second place? He takes it well, though, which is about the highest compliment I can think of. I'm not sure there is a greater strength. 
and she says playing second to a woman mm-hmm. and she's my father winks at me feeling secure even knowing you are not the best and I felt like that was such an important moment for them mm-hmm. like you know I think I had a conversation this is going to sound so weird but I had a conversation like this with my own father at one point in time because I was in law school. I was about to start at a big law firm, and I was dating someone that he didn't think I liked him, but he didn't think that he would was the one. And his point was something like this: It was I worry about you because you are so so ambitious and you want to be so successful, and you and with that you probably you know you're going to make a lot of money. I mean, because you come out of law school, if you work at a law firm, you kind of make more than uh, an average 25-year-old, oh, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's not fair. Like someone else who's my age, um, let's say a man my age, yeah, he's like, they're going to make less money than you it's, unless they're like an investment banker or whatever, yeah. you know. Those are just the reality. And, you know, I'm afraid, you know, who that basically that you won't find someone who's an equal. Mm-hmm. Now, his message was more like, so, like, that guy's not, he doesn't pass yeah. muster right. because of that. But it was, I do think it came from this idea of who will ever be an equal, yeah. a partner that would be not worthy of mm-hmm. you or whatever. But I think her father, that's what her father's saying here. And, and he is, you know, and even though you are better than him, you know, he's, yeah. he, he loves you and, and he understands you, yeah. which I liked. And, and she says in her head she, that right after he says that, I feel both mm-hmm. sides of that sword, mm-hmm. the compliment and the sharp edge meant for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's getting it here. We're, you know, 313 and she's getting it. Yeah, 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 yeah. But all he wants then, you know, he said, I gave you, I think I gave you like kind of the, the, the wrong messaging at the end you know he says you have to open your heart the tiniest bit being Mm -hmm. married to your mother changed my life she made me feel joy she gave me purpose we became a family tennis is nothing compared to that and then she says but then she was gone and you were left with such heartache and i i don't know how to do that to live that way and so she somehow got the message that then you close off your heart yeah you know because then you just get hurt and he says, I was so broken when your mother died that I buried my heart in the earth and I taught you too as well. I thought I was showing you how to move on, but I was showing you how to never open up to anybody. I taught you the wrong thing, mm. but I've told you that now and it's on you to fix it. Again, and again, back it. to these mm-hmm. lessons, like you've got to do that. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, the at 314, he says, um, you're the meaning of my life. Mm. And course one of the many times I cried in this book oh my gosh um, yeah (laughs) I just felt like there from that and then from you know from that point on you know she then doesn't hide Bo in that next scene you know he actually does stay over and and there is this immediate kind of reaction that she has right after that to to them you know maybe accepting that they actually are a couple um which yeah, i'm again, not sure it's not like huge stride she doesn't like you know hear the message and then go propose or something she's like all right maybe we're dating yeah maybe we're dating but then but then on 315 like she he like stays over and it's kind of like a big moment but she says and i wonder for a moment why i have spent all my time worried about losing things 
when there is so much here. Mm. Just mm. back to the losing imagery. I mean, what was I worried about? Yeah. Look at what's in front of me and what I have. Mm. Instead of worrying about all the things I'm going to lose. Yeah. So Oof. I thought that was a big yeah. moment yeah. for her. Yeah growth in terms of love and relationships mm-hmm. um, and then she carries it out oh carries yeah. carries it through with her tennis and with the the growth that she finally kind of gets all the messages that we've just talked about and all these other scenes about about losing around like 360 in this last tournament she's you know worried about failing and everything else but then um at the end, she says, this will be the last tournament that I will ever play, and I can't help but enjoy it. I did not pick up a racket to grow tense and weary and afraid of failing. I picked it up to feel the joy of smashing a ball as hard as I can. I picked it up to spend time with my dad. This is it, my last moment of what he and I started together. This match, this tiebreaker, I could live in it forever. And I love that, because oh, that's now so she's good. at the end, she's going to lose. She's yes. she, and and this is the moment where everything is on the line and she finally realizes I, she wants to stay in this. Mm-hmm. She's not afraid. She's finally living it and enjoying it. And then, you know, in 362 is where she starts realizing, like, what am I doing? Am I just going to keep coming back every time to try to beat Nikki yeah. Chan? Like, this is, she realizes the futility of it. Yeah. Like, this is so stupid. Where is the beauty in that, she says. And I'm no longer the greatest tennis player in the world. For the first time in my life, I can be dot, 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 something else. Mm. And this is it. Now she realizes she can write a new story. Like That was so good. I mean, I I didn't know where it was going to go as to whether she does this or not. I mean, I think we all know she can't go on forever right but but I thought that I I would have been equally happy if she lost and didn't you know recapture her title or if she won and she did knowing that Nikki would certainly beat her anyway but Mm -hmm. this I was really surprised by so I wasn't surprised by either way I wouldn't have been surprised by either way I was really surprised by her inner awareness and just mm-hmm. how it came in the moment, which is how it would for her. It's not going to come for Carrie Soto in a therapist's office. It's not going to come for Carrie Soto like crying with Bo. It's mm-hmm. going to come in this moment, being really present and saying, "This is it on the tennis court." Yeah, yeah this you're is right. It. Yeah, I loved that. I loved yeah. it. It was really beautiful. And I know we're going to separately talk about Serena Williams and that her beautiful Vogue article yeah. about retiring or evolving away from tennis. But this, I mean, there are so many things that echo a Serena's story and, and Carrie's. And I actually did finally read that Taylor Jenkins read this was a huge, I mean, I felt it had to be a source of, of inspiration for this book. And apparently it was. Oh. Yeah. But, but Serena's article that's what this is about like what's next you know I can be it essentially she's saying what I I now can be I can be a mother I can be a businesswoman like and that's where Carrie if Carrie were to write if she had Serena's kind of ability to maybe see that that's what I felt like that's what she's saying now too in this like it's Uh the identity part has been one thing for them for so long that's been their identity being the world's greatest tennis player yeah 
and there is some freedom now to write a new story of what you can be and yeah. it's fucking scary big scenes big scenes do we want to go on to damage yeah well as usual when we get to damage we've kind of we have touched on on a lot of it but we have about her fear of losing yeah fear of opening her heart yes yes but the things that she didn't learn I think are really tied to her parents and mm-hmm. not for their lack of trying to teach her because you can mm-hmm. see they did but she just couldn't get it and yeah. as you had said it before with her dad we've already talked about a lot of them but I just there's two I think we didn't to discuss but there's all these little moments of she's kind of getting it wrong but you're like am I going to argue over all of any of this so this is when she's finally starts with the junior Wimbledon and on page 44 I think it is that he says, you know, if you go around, joke with the players, it's okay. But remember, they're not your friends. They are your dot, dot, dot. She answers, enemies. He says, opponents. Same mm-hmm. thing, she says. It's not the same thing. It's really mm-hmm. not. And mm-hmm. she, he's, you know, he was giving her the right message, but she didn't take it quite the right way. And I think she ended up, this is why she unlike Nikki Chan, really did see everything as that way, that they are my mortal enemy as opposed to my contextual opponent, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And then as you already talked about too, there's another one on page 55, again with the idea of, you know, she's complaining that she's not number one and he's saying well you're number one for many weeks like what the what's the problem he says just the end of the year ranking is not the best metric I'm supposed to be greatest by all metrics I said Mm -hmm. and he says I think you've I've done a disservice I told you from a young age that you were could be the very best but I never explained to you that it's about aiming for excellence and not statistics Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah and can she even though we've just talked about her growth by the end if Carrie Soto is a real person because of course she is to us yes um, <laughs> we don't expect now that she's just cured overnight of course and she has learned these very important lessons but some of these things that you're touching on yeah. I don't they don't go away mm. I mean they're going to be things that she struggles with all the time I mean this there was a quote too, like, my ambition has long felt oppressive. Yeah. This was on page 173. Yeah. It is not joy. It is a master that I must answer to. A smoke that descends into my life, making it hard to breathe. It is only my discipline, my willingness to push myself harder that has been my way through. But right now, I can feel that my intuition is lacking. Mm. And that lines to yeah. me was like, oh, you're going to fight that your whole life because... I mean, as much growth as you may have come through, that ambition is a master that you are going to have to reckon with. Because even whatever you choose next, it's like you're going to go half-ass on that, whatever that next thing is. And will you be able to take what you learned and apply that? And will you be able to find more of this intuition? I mean, I know I've talked to you about that. That's like something I struggle with. Like... It's not, if it doesn't come naturally, you know, she's going to fall back on what her crutches are, which is like working harder, discipline. I'll just push push through 
And that's what I think is going to be her challenge. Yeah. I think I don't forward. ever want anyone to not be who they are. Yeah, exactly. But you do have to be able to separate it. You're allowed to do all the hard work and be ambitious and want all the things, but you have to let go of the results. And mm-hmm. that I think is the best she can ever ask for. She's got to train like she trains. She's got to work like she works, but you just have to let go of the outcome a little more. And that is something she has not been able to do until the end. And I think another thing that she has to work on, and I'm speaking to myself as well, is to find some of her softer side. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I don't, I agree with you. I don't want people to not be who they are, but, um, Again, another Taylor Jenkins read quote. She said, what's interesting about Carrie is she's a very stunted person. And she is. And she said, one of the things she needs to learn is that it's nice to have people around you. And you do need to find a softer part of yourself and a warmer part of yourself in order to bond with other people. That's something she's learning quite late in life. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing I think that she's, in terms of her damage, she's going to have to keep. Yeah trying to find part a little bit of the softer side and that is perfectly i think illustrated in uh, right on early on in page 17 when she says to this day the only significant memory i have of my mother is hazy i can't tell what's real and what gap what are the gaps i've filled in over time and she's talking about she's in the kitchen she's standing over the stove when her father calls her a nickname which is a little warrior I, my mother shakes her head and says, don't let him call you a warrior. You are a queen. And oh, again. I forgot that part. Yeah. Yes. Sets out <sighs> the damage that Carrie Soto has to unwind. It's yep. just mm-hmm. not seeing everything as war. This is so good. You're like getting to like my takeaways. Oh, okay. Wanted, like the yeah. lessons of my own life. Yeah. I mean, really, we're just... And I yes. think Nikki Chan, I think that's what Nikki Chan has right. When she says like, I don't have a problem being best friends with people on the tour because I have no problem with them being my best friend outside and then crushing... Killing them, them on the court. Yeah. yeah. Because she... Like I see, I know the context. I get... Exactly. Yeah. Are we going into what she said or? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. You, you said you ha- you've already given so many given things. so many. That- we, can we just say after I previously told you offline that we should not do what she said because we've covered Taylor Jenkins Reid so many times. Surely I don't have any more Taylor Jenkins Reid quotes. Yeah. So clearly I'm a liar. Yeah. And <laughs> well, you know. Well, so do you have more about Carrie Soto? Because mine is about career. I do have one about Carrie Soto. Okay. Uh, it is about Carrie Soto, but it is about female ambition. But she was talking in the context of Carrie Soto when somebody asked her kind of what the what the book's about. And she said a lot of things, you know, it's a father or daughter, or tennis, love story, whatever. But she said it's, it's also, it's about excellence and the pursuit of excellence at what cost. Mm. But it's also very, very much about the question, when is enough enough? We have this idea of female ambition and ambition is seen as a good thing and it is a good thing but it also has to be kept in perspective and that was what i really wanted to explore with carrie is what point are you able to lay down your sword oh sword sorry (gasps) or are some people never able to do that and to me carrie is an interesting character because she's one of the first people that i could see perhaps never doing that 
And then she went on to talk about, you know, again, what is enough? And, you know, it's undeniable. She talked about Serena Williams being the greatest of all time. But, you know, there's people who believe unless she gets Margaret Court's record, that's not enough. She won't if she doesn't beat the Grand Slam record. And then she related it to herself, though, Taylor. And she said, yeah, about uh, as a novelist, she said, but I don't know how much it matters. You choose what matters. As an author, all I ever wanted was for someone to read my book and feel less alone. And that happened. For me, I got a beautiful email from someone talking about a book I had written that helped them through their grief. So I've done what I came here to do. So why am I still doing it? What's the goal? And she said, I know for myself, from I know my goal for myself, which is I love what I do. I'm not going to stop doing it because it makes me really happy. But do you need to move the goalposts? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Carrie does. Carrie is going to constantly move the goalposts at all times because ultimately she doesn't know what to do if she's not climbing a mountain. Hmm. And it kind of goes with her damage too and what we're talking about. Will she keep doing this that was that's a really nuanced answer it's very interesting because I don't think I until you got to maybe that last line I was like I don't believe in laying down the sword I just don't Mm -hmm. why why do you have to stop being who you are yeah but I guess to the point Taylor Jenkins Reid is saying I'm going to keep doing what I do because I love it and that's the reason to keep doing it but right. do you move the goalposts? I guess that's a really interesting question. And what does that mean? Yeah. Right. And what do and you I think? I guess Carrie, I will. So I was just going to say that I think Carrie, what was happening is she forgot the love part. Yes. Like we were saying she wasn't loving it anymore. And then if you were just obsessed with winning and moving the goalposts to win and win, that's no good. If she wanted to keep playing just because she loved it. I, but did she ever love it? I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not saying, question. I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it wasn't that clear. I know. She loved winning. Mm-hmm. She absolutely loved winning and dominating. I just don't know. I didn't feel there was real joy in like the love of the game kind of thing. Right. I never right, right, right. quite got that. But what I, mean, I don't want. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think I, I think what you're saying, I agree with it. Just it can be dangerous to not have goals or to not want to yeah. keep looking ahead and keep trying to achieve something or pursue something. Yeah. But I also can fall into the carry trap, like you're saying, of following the applause mm. and of not knowing when enough is enough or stopping to go, do I even like this anymore? Yeah. Is this even fun? And so if you're, I do think that's the Enneagram 3 in me. Like, so for someone like me, I think I do have to keep that in check. Yeah. There's no... I, or else I can just keep going and going and going yeah. and moving the goalposts without stopping to reflect. And I think Taylor's saying, listen, I have reflected and I love what I do. But she is trying to do less, I think, okay. which, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I am currently at a place where I'm trying to find some balance. So I think that appealed to me, this yeah. this. But you would never enough? lay down your sword, ever. No. Ever. No. Nope. So yeah, you're just I like, would die. Right. I would die. So you- that would not be good for me. Okay. I can't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So but there's a balance and, and you and it's different for everybody. Yeah. Along that line, but completely different, I heard Taylor Jenkins Reid talking about a slow and steady burn of her career mm-hmm. and how maybe early on 
her career could have been deemed a failure. I, I She did not say she thought of it that way. I don't know if she did or not, but, but that it could be. And that that's not where she is now. So it's, you know, one of those, like, where do you end the story? Well, mm-hmm. probably don't end it when you feel like a failure. Again, I'm not saying about her, but just in general, like... Right. Don't don't end it when you feel like there's more to come. And it's funny because I also thought about this a lot with Jillian McAllister. And when we interviewed her, the news was not official, so we couldn't talk to her about Reese. But I think I did even say you continue book get after better. book after book to not only get better, but get more accolades. I mean, she yes. her personal growth is one thing, but she's getting more She's recognized more for it, more and more. Yes. And getting, you're right, like more things. Yes. Like she went from paperback yes. to a hardcover deal. Yes. To and she went from only UK to US. Yep. And mm-hmm. yeah, right. And then Reese. And so, and before that, she was Richard and Judy in UK, which is big there, but not like Reese here. And so, mm-hmm. again, this idea of the slow and steady burn. And Taylor was talking about how in her early in her career, you know, on a Sunday, her and her husband would be walking around and they'd see a bookstore and he'd be like, let's go in and see if your book is there. And she's like, no, I don't want to go in. My book is not going to be there. It's a trade paperback. It didn't break out. They're not going to carry it. And it will make me feel terrible to go in and see this. And she says that now (laughs) her husband will say the same thing. And it's funny that she has the same reaction but for different reasons. Now she knows multiple of her books will be in there, but she's like, ah, I don't want to get caught looking at my own books and like, yeah, like this. Yeah, like I can't do that. Right. But uh-huh. I, I just thought it was so interesting to have that as something she wanted for herself or always wanted for herself. And now, before she didn't have it, and yet she was still doing it. She didn't stop doing the work. She didn't stop mm-hmm. saying like, this is this is what I want, and this is where I want to be. And I also thought it was really funny that she didn't talk about this, but this is just something I was thinking about when she was talking about that, how Daisy Jones was the book that broke her out. Obviously, it was a Reese pick, and then it it was very successful, probably on its own. And then when you're a Reese pick, it's a, it's a jolt. But now that that dust has settled a little bit, I think that was like two, two years ago. It was, it was two books ago, I guess. This is the mm-hmm. third book since then. Evelyn Hugo is the one that's crushing it. I was going to say. And that's the book she wrote before Daisy Jones. Mm -hmm. And that is the one giving her a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that's the one that started her on this path of of these four that she kind of puts together as these examinations of you know, women in the spotlight. And and like like Jillian McAllister, it was the thing that, well, she talks about it as having more resistance. Jillian didn't really talk about resistance, but the, it, although Jillian said if there was any resistance, I would have written it anyway. But mm-hmm. it seems Taylor had the same thing. She was like, this is a big risk and I'm going to take it because I yeah. know I have to. And if that means, you know, looking for a new agent, looking for a new editor, looking for a new publishing house, whatever it means, I have to do this. And mm-hmm. so, she, and she did. She wrote yeah. it. And it yeah. is, it seems that people are really responding to that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think, that. what is it? I like a uh, New York Times bestseller list for over a year now? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Many years mm-hmm. after its publication? It's crazy. It is. Yeah. 
Yeah, we love, we, I, we've talked about that on the other ones. I just love her career trajectory mm-hmm. and is just, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, it is. But I, just to think about it in that way of the idea of she didn't want to, she used to not want to go in because she knew she mm-hmm. wouldn't be there, but she just kept doing it and she didn't stop. Because a lot of people write and they think getting published is the end of their story in some way. And if the book mm-hmm. comes out to not much fanfare, they might think, well, I'm washed up or yeah, that wasn't right for work. me. That's yep. that's a mm-hmm. sign from the universe that I'm glad I did it, but now I'll try something else. And she just didn't see it that way. And I, I don't know. I feel that way, but I often wonder if I'm a loser and wrong. And I just, Jillian, and now that specific yes. lesson from Taylor – I don't know, just really have given me Helped new... Helped you change yeah, your perspective. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I love that. Don't stop That's a, good. Don't stop in the middle of the story. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah. So, first of all, I did not come up with anything um, amazing that spoke to me, but I really... I mean, I think the next thing for her has to be really small. It can't mm-hmm. be some other life. I don't even think she's set up for a, a Serena-type crystal ball no do you no because she's not ready i think like you said before serena was conflicted and has these other things that are pulling her in different directions and so now it's a matter of you know she's going to go down those roads but carrie she's not there yet she's just she doesn't and that's why i think the coaching i mean we do get a little bit of a a year later yes yeah Mm -hmm. from her which but that seems like a very natural next step yeah but i don't know if that's her her big next Right, like five years. Was, I can't do five yeah. years. I don't know. Right. I have no idea. Right. And will she be really good at coaching? Will she be just good at coaching Nikki? Because, Nikki, yeah. because she gets her. Yeah. I don't know. Are her and Bo right. going to go the distance? Right. Would they want a family? I, no idea. Who knows? No idea. I don't know. I do think it would be really, now that you've said that, I think it would be really interesting to imagine she could go any way as a mother, right? When she lost yeah. her mother at a very young age, she could mm-hmm. have a baby and just be like, whoa, I don't yeah. know how to do this. I, I'm i not or, a mother. I don't know what a mother is. And she could be out. You know, she could yeah. McReva it. Like, I'm out. Yeah. I don't know how to do this. Or something could or, really yeah. click in her. Sure. Mm-hmm. Or something could sure. open up in her. We're going to talk about Serena, but I was very surprised the thing she said about how maternal she is. Yeah. I just think of her like on the tennis court and that really softer side. Yeah, but I wasn't surprised. And this is a, a, a difference, again, with Carrie Soto is she comes from a big family. And family is, is clearly yeah. very important to her. Yes. 100%. And so, but Carrie mm-hmm. is an only child. Only and child. now she's an orphan. I know. Oh. So she could, yeah, could go, it could go in a number of directions. But I don't know what kind of soul searching that takes. I honestly don't because someone who doesn't think about it could think, well, now I need to have a family of my own. But the magical wish that having a baby is going to make everything all better rarely ever happens. No. 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 That's fair. Yeah. Who won? Carrie Soto is back. Well, mine is a little weird but you as you know the full story right so for me what won this book was the spanglish i knew it it. (laughs) the way they would just carrie and her dad would just drop into little phrases of spanish and you know it's pretty commonly known spanglish that that that's Mm -hmm. the way many people who are 
bilingual communicate by mixing up words, by dropping phrases, whatever. And it was something that was very common for me growing up. I grew up actually with a grandmother and a great-grandmother. My great-grandmother passed away when I was 20... Jesus. Five? It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So my grandmother and my great-grandmother spoke Spanish to each other all the time. And then my grandmother would speak to me in this Spanglish, just mm-hmm. f- transitioning between fully speaking Spanish to her mother. Although my great-grandmother did speak English, but Spanish was really her, her thing. So that was just such a beautiful thing for me. And it's beautiful to me on many levels. One is it was just so wild to me to see a character who was not about being Latina or Hispanic. She was just being her. She's a tennis player. She's talking to her dad. She's going to school. The opening chapter, she is just watching the tennis game. So it has nothing to do with her heritage. And yet, it's so prevalent because that's who she is. And oh, boy, that really... It really had an impact on me. I missed out on this idea of just being a person, an American. Yes, who happens to communicate with her father in that way sometimes. Yes. I just didn't realize the power of that without it it kind of being divorced from its context of being that from that culture. It was just who they were. And then also it had another layer for me. We talked about this. I got this book we got this book early and it sat on my tbr pile for a while i thought that the book was about tennis and i knew her dad was her coach i certainly was not aware that there would be this spanglish and a few weeks before i got the book my grandmother passed away and she was a very big part of my life not only because she had been around for many years decades of my life But because she was such a strong influence in my life, she's the one who drove me to get good grades, go to a good college, be a lawyer. She wanted a lot for me and she really pushed that on me. And she was a big part of my life. And then she also took me traveling. She introduced me to things beyond what my parents would have. I grew up often in really small pockets of life. And she was the one who was always opening that up for me. And she had passed away two weeks before I got the book. I didn't touch the book, again, not knowing anything. And then I, I don't know why. It's one of those things. You've had it happen. We all have. Mm-hmm. You don't know why. And some for some reason, I just picked up the book. And I read that opening chapter. It's just her and her dad at the open watching. They're watching Nikki, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, reading the Spanglish and thinking about it, I just was Falling. like yeah, cr- it, it really unlocked something it really unlocked something and we and I think I texted you immediately my grandmother's passing was complicated to say the least although she was 90 years old she is such a huge or was such a huge part of our family and immediately I think a lot a lot fell apart without her and there has to be a reorganization but I wasn't ready to even think about the grief of her passing for me and that moment bizarrely reading about a tennis match Carrie Soto's back really unlocked something for me and it was so amazing I will never 
forget this book for that reason. I feel yeah. like the Spanglish one for me. The Spanglish one? The <laughs> it was Spanglish. an easy one for me. It was an easy one for me. And the Spanglish for me, as you know, I, I don't speak any Spanish. And I literally lost whole lines. I mean, I don't. I thought about Googling them, you yeah. know, and then I was like, nah, it's all right. Yeah, um, you, but, you're still getting but, it. I'm getting it, but I also did feel as if maybe I was missing like just a teeny bit. Certainly doesn't affect your reading of the story. Yeah, I, but... it's probably how you feel about that is how I feel about the tennis. I know nothing yeah. about tennis, but this was, and I didn't look up whether I, uh, this is how you would train or this is, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I yeah, can get it like from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I love that, you know, and you know that I totally understand that the most random of things can unlock grief and it's just it comes out of nowhere and then you're like wait what what this this is what's gonna do it oh my gosh and taylor jenkins reed also has a history of writing very deeply and truly about grief this isn't no this isn't one of those books at least i won't it's not one of those books that I'm I'm thinking specifically of Forever Interrupted, yeah. her first book where her husband, this is not a spoiler, her husband dies yeah, in the first three the, pages. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah. it's about exploring that grief. And then also When True Loves is a key mm-hmm. part of the setup of the story is she thinks her husband is dead. And yeah. so grief is a big part of that. That was not that. So it really surprised me. But like yes. you just said, I, that was all in support of what you just said, which is you never know when never something know. was going to to touch on that for how you because grief is so particular. It's so common and universal, but it's so particular, so specific, yeah, right to mm-hmm. to each person. Yeah. So, so this Spanglish book. one for yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I have an obvious one like Spanglish, but which is the tennis. I mean, it's sort of the yes, equivalent for you. And yes. I and I, I said that at the beginning that I was just blown away by how accurate it was and how she captured not just like the tennis itself, which of course I am a lifelong player and just lover of that game, but just the narrative of sports. Like, mm. you know how I feel about any like sports yes. stories. And and I heard her talk about it too. And, and, and she, of course, said it better than I had ever said it on our Love and Basketball episode or anything else that has to do with sports. You know, she just talked, there's a narrative to it. And that's mm. what she loves. She's not an athlete and she's not right. a sports fan, but there's always a story behind it. You know, love the, that. The, I, yeah, yeah. Particularly, she said, in an individual sport like tennis. Like, mm. if you're on a team... You know, there's there's other people, but there's a there's a story there too. I yes. actually think, but but this one, it's like it's all on you. Will you yeah. perform today? Are you everything like the struggles and and the thrill and the fight and all of that came through. And so that was like my obvious one. Yeah. But then you know, I do this and then I go, but what what really won? And I'm like, what really won? And I was like, oh my god, I know what won. Losing. Losing <gasps> one. Oh my god. And you know how I, I came to yes. this? Wait, I, well, don't. a lot of ways, but <laughs> I don't know if what you're going to say, but No, no, just that 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 that's such an unexpected but accurate. But I'm like I was going what one? One and I'm like losing. Mm. Losing one in so many levels and it came yeah. to me after watching my own children that day. 
play in their tennis club championships, 14 and under and 12 and under. And I think I told you that I was at these matches, but did I tell you that they both lost? No. So I had this fantasy. I did. I bought into it. I'm going to tell the honest to God truth. I went there. I had just done some prep for this. So I was really into like the whole Carrie Soto and everything and, and the love of tennis. And on my way there, I was telling them that all I cared about was that they have fun and that mm. they enjoy tennis. And all I ever wanted was for them to love tennis as much as me. And I think I texted you and I said, I got like teary-eyed. Yes. And they were like, what is yeah. wrong with you, mom? <laughs> you were like, it's and Carrie I'm like, Soto. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just saying. It's just like, you know. So that was the message I was telling them. Yeah. But I'm not going to lie. Inside, I was dreaming of, of having them wins. both win. Oh, and gosh, how great yes. would it be mm. for the brothers to win one 14 under, one 12 and under, and they both lost. Mm. And I thought after, well, you better, did you did you mean what you said, Kate, right? right? This did is what you it, mean yes. that that's all you cared about? Because they lost. So, yeah. and I genuinely said to myself, no, I won. Like, I, that was winning like this is all i ever wanted and i meant it and then the fact that like now my all i and the other thing i said all i ever wanted was for you guys to be able to hit with me you know like to be able to play with me and they do and like my older one now then he wanted to play the next day with me oh and i'm like you know what that that was winning and and so that was you know for me personally but even in the story i mean we talked about it i mean the lesson she needed to learn was how to lose and that it was okay to lose, to lose her record, to lose that match, but also to lose that identity. That's been her identity as being the greatest tennis player in the world ever since she was little. And the losing for her there is the letting go, like letting go mm. of mm. so she can be free to do something else. Yeah. And so then I was like, oh, my God, I was thinking about like losing a version of yourself can be a good thing, like freeing you to move forward to like write a news story. And then I'm like, where did I? And I started thinking, again. I'm like, losing can be winning. Where have I heard this? Like, I know it's not like an original thought, but. And then I was like, oh, my God, my my birthday book. The, okay, now I'm getting Oh, my God. This okay, so good. Do you All remember right. this? No. So you know I mean, I, I do vaguely, book, but yes, yes. The Secret Language of Birthdays book. You know, when you look up every birthday, so mom, July 28th, and they they tell you tell those you born that, on July 28th right. are this, Even more specific than just knowing you're a Leo. This exactly. day means something particular. Right. Yeah. And by the way, the every day is, you know, July 28th is the day of the winner. Oh, okay. my God. Do you recall that? Do you recall me telling you that? I do. Like, I pick, do. I'm just going to randomly open to another day. Okay. Yeah. June 11th, the day of the limit pusher. I'm just, okay. Like, another okay. one. The day of fluent expression. I mean, could, you could, sure. any day, it could be anything. Sure. Mine is the, the day, day of, of the, the winner. winner. <laughs> okay. And the whole... Look, I'm holding up the book. The whole point of this entire description of people born on today, this is leading to my conclusion that I think Carrie Soto is born on July 28th. No, I'm serious. Because, like, the whole point of this description is okay. that, like, people born on this day are obviously just overly obsessed with winning and with coming out on top and, you know, 
but okay, listen to this. Learning to lose gracefully is another important lesson for July 28 people. They must eventually see that a desire to win at all costs is counterproductive to most forms of human interaction. <gasps> yeah, yeah, okay. Which reminds me of when yeah. Carrie's a little girl and she's running to the play yard and no one, like, yeah, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, those born on this day are faced with issues involving trust, acceptance, and love. Mm. This last named area, love, is certainly the one in which the hardest earned but most rewarding personal development can be achieved. Learning to give love unconditionally and to accept it from others with few reservations is certainly an integral part of such growth. But for July 28 people... This may first involve reorienting their mindset to see love relationships less as a competition, a passionate mm-hmm. battle of the sexes where power and control are central issues and instead shifting emphasis to a more lasting, sharing, and pragmatic way of relating. Yeah, then the end <laughs> advice for people born on July 28th yes. is winning can sometimes, can sometimes be, be losing. losing. I remember. And so the inverse oh, is losing. also true that <gasps> losing can sometimes be winning. Oh. And so that is what won for me. Oh, losing. Oh, my God. Wow. Wow. I mean, wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, so that's why it leads into my takeaway because I just feel like in many ways, Carrie and I <laughs> need to learn the same lessons yeah. in life. Yeah. And in love and the areas that she needs to grow and the ways we talked about her growth are areas that I need to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, maybe Carrie's born on July 28th or maybe oh not. It. But this was very I love it. relatable I'm, to me. Yes, holy cow. Oh my God. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Wow. Losing. Wow. I love Losing. it. And I love how you flipped it around because that's also what I did oddly for my takeaway so weird yes. so are, are you done or are you going yes no okay, no, okay, okay. yeah so I just didn't want to cut you off not that I thought you didn't weren't done but so mine was about love and mm-hmm. how love in tennis means nothing <gasps> oh my god Right? There's that. Why have I never thought of this in all the years I've played tennis? It's it's in. Why is love zero? Yeah. So, okay. Okay. So, you're. <laughs> I love it. Thank My you. My mind is blown. Just, yes. you could stop right there. And okay. I will have, have a thousand thoughts about that. Yeah. There's an exchange. Oh there, This exact exchange happens between Carrie and her dad. And oh she's like, so what is love? He said, love is nothing. Well, then love it. And she says, well, love is zero then. And he's like, yeah, it means you have no points. So I wanted to look up why. And the origin of love as a score, zero, is Dying. not... Okay, I it's not know this. Well, they're not clear. The origins are not clear, but there are some interesting theories. It, so one of them is that the zero looks like an egg. And in, in sport, it's common to refer to nil or not as a goose egg. Right. Mm-hmm. And the French word for egg is lof, the pronunciation of which oh, isn't loaf. too far. Yeah. yeah. Loaf, uh, which is so, which is not that far off from love. There's another theory that if you have zero points, you're playing for the love of the game and that oh. 
Right. So that you have no points, but what you have is love. I was blown away (gasps) by this. Blown away by this. And as you know, I am struggling myself with love and romance. And I listened to Taylor on a podcast where she talks about loving love and how love stories and and by the way you know this is something personally privately I guess you know about me I love love I mean obsessed yeah. with it like I could talk about it all day all night where it goes wrong what it means when it when it goes quote unquote wrong and I still believe it's right and soulmates aren't forever and all this stuff like I mm-hmm. think about and talk about but only privately, not in anything that I really put out there. And I think it was Gillian Flynn that gave me permission to write dark love, like that it could be like really, because you know I think of Gone Girl as a total love story. It's between a love story between two truly fucked up people, (laughs) but their love works in some twisted way. Like they are soulmates. No one should be with Amy and Nick more than Amy. But each other. Right? They are meant for each other. And so Taylor Jenkins Reid had talked about loving romance, but that she had a different view and she was started writing before Gone Girl that she thought of love as like romance as bodice rippers. You know, Fabio's mm-hmm. on the cover and there's somebody with their bodice ripped open. And she thought if she wanted to write real romance that it had she had to emulate Nick Hornby and Jonathan Tropper, people, men who were writing seriously about love, whatever that means. And she said that she realized the internal misogyny about that and that women are writing – when women write about love, they're sappy and boring and unoriginal. And then men write about it and it's something to be – you know, taken seriously. This is not new to you, Kate. This is all the stuff we talk right. about and why we have this podcast and all that. But but even with having this podcast for years <laughs> and talking about this and saying it, I still have been struggling with trying to write love. I just, I get an idea or I'm like, no, no, I can't write that. I, I would rather write mystery or some dark thriller mm-hmm. and then have some love in it. But I can't write romance it just feels not real to me and I don't know she just reminded me that she said that love is is an important part of the human experience and it and I just was like it's okay to tell stories about it maybe it's okay maybe it's more than okay maybe it's okay to try to do that and put it out there I really do truly despite all the work that we do on this podcast still like think about writing a romance novel, a woman's fiction novel. And I'm like, I can't do it. I just, I stop there. I'm like, I can't. I can't put that out in the world. It's not serious enough. It's not whatever enough. Why? Why? I don't know because you would be great at it. (laughs) I'm serious. Like, oh, God. And I want, I, that's it. See, I don't have that problem because that's what I want to read. Yes. So I just think, well, that's what I want to read. Someone else must want to read that. And I think people love to read that. They and do. Again, it's not the bodice ripping, although people love those too. I'm yes, not that's right. On the true. That's right. We're not. No, not at all. But 
because it's so everyone has experienced it I in know. some way or another so it's so universal it is i know it is oh. i'm working through it but this I was know. taylor it, jenkins reed you. is just such an icon for me in that way of really and she does it so well yes and as she said she said she still loves nick hornby and jonathan tropper but what she took away from that was not that she has to write like them to be taken seriously, but that she needs to put women front and center, period, end of story. And no matter what the love story looks like, that's her mission is to put them front and center. And I just love that. It felt very empowered for me. I'm like, what is wrong with me? Why am I still grappling with this? I don't know. So from the score love, you got to... Because it really, I'll thank you for bringing it back. What it really unlocked in me was my fundamental belief that love is nothing. And that's not, it's, it's not, love is actually everything. Everything. (laughs) It is everything. And it is, and that's just how I feel. I, I, you know. That happens to be true for you. Yes, exactly. And in my life, like I am one of those people that thinks like I would be nothing without my husband and not in a like he gives me money and right. signs my credit card no, I'm not <laughs> no 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 yeah, not no. in that way no, no in a no. in a partnership in a love is everything kind of way like I don't it gave me the foundation to be who I am and yes. yeah so and what is not nothing? It is not, not zero. No, it is not nothing. Or if it's nothing, it doesn't matter. Well, I yeah. guess I'm going back to the tennis analogy, but it's like you have you have nothing, but you really have everything it, because you have yeah. the love. Yes. 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 So which is it is sort of similar to mine. It is. It is yes. that that the it's reframing of it is really important, and to understand that you know even to go back to the score. Everybody starts at zero. There is no, you don't skip zero. Like that's how it is. And Mm -hmm. it is the foundation. And so a change in perspective just realize, you makes you realize like it can't be without that. So I don't know. You know, I'm still working on it, but I, this went a long way to unlock permission for me, I think, to, to, there's been a lot of this happening for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Of one lot, like Gillian, Jillian, we talked about McAllister. Oh, McAllister, well, yes. you say helped? Yeah. I there was know. just like unlocking some things in terms of like career trajectory. And, and yeah. It still like makes my it's stomach good, clench though. though in a not I good know, way. I have to get over it. Yes. But this is the start. You're, yes. you're seeing things. It's part also, of the process. You're a person who likes to see examples real yes. life examples <gasps> that you can yes. hold on to and so you're like i have respect for that person yeah and that person did it this way right or that person wrote about that so that is so th- true and it's not that i i don't ever feel like they're an exception like the rule is lo- people who write about love are trash except taylor jenkins reed or except gillian flynn or whatever whatever it is it's not i put them in a category on their own like Right. You are not the exception to the rule. You are something else, something I can look at and go, that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Carrie Soto is okay. back. I feel like in some way, Kate and Corinne are back. Oh my God. <laughs> and also Corinne is that. back and Kate is back and yes. all of it. Like It's unbelievable. 
Oh, oh Taylor, you did it again. She did. This has been Pop Fiction Women with Corinne and Kate. If you enjoyed the show, please tell the complicated women in your life. And the men who love them. Yes, tell them to listen. And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at pop underscore women. For more coverage of the women you love, or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.